Hi again, welcome back to the podcast. Adrian here on Hosting Duty and Andrew's back with me this week and we've got a great topic for you today. Hi Andrew. Hey Adrian, good to be here again. Thanks for joining. I like getting you on the podcast and getting some real engineers viewpoints on some important topics and uh yeah we got a we got a doozy today right so we're going to be going through how you take a cheap product and turn it into one that's actually high profit so it's a kind of uh, manufacturing alchemy right it really is uh i think this is going to be a very very interesting topic or exciting topic for many of our young entrepreneurs or curious uh, <laughs> um, entrepreneurs who who wish, you know, they could take a small product and somehow sell it for a bigger price and make a huge profit. I know, I know there are a lot of uh, industries out there, online marketing, for example, that people mm-hmm. are trying to basically build an online shop by buying products from China and selling it in U.S. But perhaps some of these ideas that we're going to discuss here today is going to actually up their game and give them a better profit margin. Mm, and, and who doesn't want that? So, I mean, when we're talking about cheap products, and I'm using air quotes for cheap, right? Uh, it's not only China, but China's well known that you can buy all sorts of, you know, um, lower cost, you know, consumer electronics, uh, promotional stuff, maybe sort of almost throwaway products in some ways. And so the question is, Right. We've got this huge pool of potential products that we can choose from. And I'm talking, you know, maybe products that already exist on the shelf. And then we're thinking, well, okay, fine. I mean, I can sell, you know, I can sell a thousand of these for a thousand bucks. But how do I how do I take this product and how do I convert that into, I don't know, 10,000 bucks or something? Right. So I think that's that's the sort of question that we are actually sometimes asked as well, aren't we? I think, Aiden, I agree with you. I think that to be able to make a high profit from any product, it's not necessary to start from an expensive product. Expensive products usually have lower profit margin. But if you mm-hmm. could come up and find a very interesting low-cost profit pro- product and then um, make some changes and improve it perhaps and then sell it mm-hmm. for a high uh, price, I think you'd have a, a a much better profit margin. Yeah, and when you say a, an expensive product, by the way, uh, I suppose I'd add uh, you're kind of talking about maybe very unique or groundbreaking products as well. So you know something which you've invented that maybe is quite revolutionary. It probably includes a lot of custom parts and you know, designs and functions that other products don't have. That's the sort of product you're talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Unless you have, you are an inventor and you have invented a very unique, uh, a niche product that doesn't exist mm. in the world and there is a definite use case and uh, definitely solves a difficult problem. Mm. I think that uh, that sort of a product is going to be okay, and you can probably enjoy a really nice high price at the beginning because of the high demand for that niche product that never existed before. 
Um, right. Case in point, for example, GoPro. You know, at the time, mm. GoPro uh, was invented. Really, uh, if you recall, uh, Sony camcorders, how big they were, how expensive they were. I think the cheapest camcorder I ever found was like $1,000. And they weighed like a kilo and uh, ah. very bulky and big and, uh, you know, huge batteries and not enough memory. I mean, it was just amazing how big those uh, camcorders were. Here comes all of a sudden uh, GoPro, very small form factor, very portable, affordable between uh, three to $500 and uh, amazing picture quality, much better than any mm. of the Sony versions at the time. So, you know, that's a groundbreaking product and something like that only happens to products such as GoPro where uh, didn't exist before. Someone invented the idea mm. and, and um, yeah, that you can actually uh, really charge high and it will still sell. However, if you try to come up with ordinary products uh, that doesn't have necessarily huge use case and not a huge high demand and it doesn't necessarily solves a problem i think you could run into problems in terms of you know uh, price increase on the other hand i think that i could discuss walmart case you know mm-hmm. walmart basically buys or imports products from china that are extremely low cost for example some of the products that they they purchase from you uh, from china will be in the order maybe uh, really cents on, on the, in a dollar. Like we're talking one or two dollars or even less. And then they yeah. would make some product changes. They call it private labeling. And in doing so, they would improve the product in ways that will be more appealing to the customers. And then they could mark up huge prices. You know, sometimes one dollar goes to twenty dollars. Uh, you know, ten dollars goes to fifty dollars. Uh, mm. something that costs maybe five dollars now they're selling in that twenty-five dollars. So these are the type of prices, price margin or profit margin we're talking about, and and I think that that is you know Walmart being a trillion dollar company right now. I think that's an excellent example of how much money you can make in this in that sort of market. Mm. There is of course. Uh, dropshipping market as well. And I think Walmart situation is also mostly dropshipping. But there are uh, young dropshipping entrepreneurs out there that are thinking about, hey, you know, I saw this great product in AliExpress, Alibaba, or some other website. And I really would like to, you know, take that product and scale it up in sales and so forth. But if they don't have much of an engineering and development experience, they really can't turn it into a huge product. I mean, in, in the short mm-hmm. term, of course, they'll have some success maybe. But then, you know, competitors will come along and then, you know, that's it. Uh, the profit margin will go down. However, if you come up with that same product and improve it in, in ways that we're going to discuss here, mm-hmm. um, I think that it's it's going to keep their sales up and they'll keep, you know, continuing, uh, you know, selling for higher prices and enjoy the profits. So let's talk about yeah. some of the things that 
these um, investors or entrepreneurs could do. For example, I think uh, you and I talked before, uh, number one thing that they need to do is adding value to mm. this low-cost product. Well, how do you do that? Well, the key to transforming any kind of a cheap product into a high-profit product is doing something or changing something on that product that will, for example, make it more useful or make it more reliable, high quality, or more attractive to the target market, you know, that you're aiming at. Um, one way to increase the value of this product is to bundle it with some other related products and services. For example, if, if your product is some kind of a, a fitness-related item, right, you can mm. bundle it with diet plan and workout program, and that just would make it a little bit more desirable to customers you know they'll look at it and they'll say oh you know i this is not a bad price they somehow mm -hmm. they would kind of justify the higher price point at that at that time so i think that's one important thing to do and you know uh making the product appealing or more reliable or high quality is not so so hard or maybe even not so expensive you know perhaps you can call the supplier and say, you know, I want to move this button from here to here. Is it possible? I want to, um, you know, test this, you know, drop test it, for example, uh, from one meter mm. and let's see what happens. You know, you don't have to do a, a, a whole suit of reliability test. You can just, whatever you think that is more common for that product, like people are going to drop it a lot, then, then just do drop test. Um, uh, and then, Higher quality, like, for example, if you think that uh, you bought one and as soon as you were using, the paint was coming off, maybe make a deal with the supplier and say, hey, you know, can can, I, can you uh, make it a higher quality paint or different kind of paint so that it doesn't come off so easily? But the product itself is great, but the paint quality is not good. So there's a lot of things you could do that, for example, if, if it was some kind of a pen, that is exciting pen. You could come back and say, you know, what about the in in the inserted pen? Can we make this so that people can actually switch it? You know, when mm. the outside of the pen looking great, can we make it reusable so that when they're done, just you know, change the insert in the pen, the ink insert, and um, continue using and enjoying that pen. So there's a lot of things mm. in my mind you could do to add value. It's one of those um, things for, you know, the entrepreneur. You've got this big array of different products. And, of course, if you go to China, if you go to Canton Fair, everyone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, we can make it. We've got it. But how do you actually, you know, how do you communicate these changes to that Chinese supplier? Because they're reliant on you to, to really direct them as to what you want and what you need and so you might not even you might you might have the idea i want to take this cheap product and and turn it into a high profit product but how do you get started communicating that so i think the ideas that you're giving are really a good starting point for that and i understand why this is number one because for me adding value to the product to the to the base product seems to me to be probably one of the best ways to start increasing the profit you're going to make on it 
Exactly. I think the first thing that the listeners need to do if they have this kind of this sort of thing in mind, they need to choose the product that, that they're interested in. They need to find a supplier, for example, from AliExpress or Alibaba. Then they need to contact the supplier. And the next step is very important because most suppliers will not even talk with you if you're just interested in a few pieces, you know. If you even a few hundred pieces may not be enough for them to talk with you about private labeling or improving the product. So you have to be talking with them in terms of in terms of thousands of units minimum. I would say probably anywhere from thousand to five thousand units to start with, depending on the cost of the units. Now if you if you have a product that they're selling at one dollar, I think thousand you know, dollars to investment on that is, you know, very common. But if you got something that is $10, $10,000 is more, more likely. The point is you start talking with them and try to feel what the, how they're dealing with you. Are they interested in uh, negotiating with you or not? And most of the time, the best thing to do is to find or discuss or talk to at least three suppliers, minimum three suppliers, and then write mm-hmm. down and all, sometimes we call it long sheets on the spreadsheet, uh, put on all the common things that every one of them will do, cost comparison, MOQ, you know, minimum order quantity, cost and price. And, and then you can basically start uh, comparing all the information from one supplier to another and then determine which one you want to go with. Then, mm-hmm. um, of course, you discuss with the suppliers, what is it that I'm able to improve if, even if it means, uh, you know, a couple of pennies or a couple of dollar increase in the cost of the product. And they will tell mm-hmm. you, they would say, well, um, the simplest things you can improve is maybe button, move it from here to here or paint and color or perhaps uh, perhaps you know battery top type so they can last longer so they 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 will basically tell you all the things that they can now there are some other options for some of our listeners suppose yeah. suppose that the suppliers are not interested in changing anything in these products and i'm not saying that we could definitely help or not because everything dependent on uh, the type of product it is and whether or not we have expertise on those type of products. And so they could talk to us. They could say, you know, we have this product. Can you re-engineer it, change the packaging or change the battery so that it can actually last longer, move the button over here, change the color or material. So we could look at all the requests from our customers and then we we could actually disassemble and tear down that product and then we could rebuild it per our customer requirement. Again, this is not a guarantee, basically a disclaimer here that, you know, we may be able to do it. We may not depending on Mm. type of the product it is, whether or not we're an expert in that area or not, but at least, you know, our customers can talk with us and uh, we have a whole team of uh, R and D, engineers that can evaluate their product and 
can let them know uh, mm-hmm. what it is that we can add value to their product. Okay, so let's move on to the second then. So that number one, the, the first way to uh, increase the sort of profit you're going to get from a product is adding value. That's number one. Number two? Well, number two is, you know, you need to know your target market and it will be mm. good to have a niche in that market. You know, it, it if you don't have a, a a niche in that market, something different about your product, uh, I think it's going to be difficult for you to sell your product in that market. So if you do have a niche market, this would make your product more enticing and more valuable to your clients, your customers, which again justifies the higher price point. For example, if you're selling phone cases, you know, mobile phone cases, uh, you could tar- target gamers and, uh, and, you know, basically sell it as a gamer phone case. And then, um, you could market it as a, you know, a phone case that has better grip for gaming mm-hmm. and uh, uh, certain gaming artwork, for example, on the case, um, and some other things that you could do. This would make the product more appealing to the gamers, and therefore justifies the higher price. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. Any other examples? Oh, you could come up with a whole bunch of examples. I mean, you could take, for example, a typical camera, you know, that they can do videos and audios. And these days you can find a whole bunch of them, right? A lot of cameras out there, like webcams and uh, security cameras. You could take one of those and then add certain features and functionalities that doesn't exist. or Or you can make it a lot more... Uh, cheaper or more high quality. You can make it, for example, waterproof, uh, or you can make it solar. Uh, you, you can do a whole bunch of things, but depends. Uh, the idea is what niche market you're in. So if your market is camera area, then that's where you're going to add value in terms of making a kind of a camera that just either doesn't exist with the features that you have and functionality you have with the battery or solar. And, and that would really make your product you know, shine and, and people are willing mm. to pay higher price, even though in reality, it's just no different than any other low-cost camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. That's true. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like these. I like these examples of um, targeting niche markets. And I mean, I suppose the the more you appeal to a very specific group of buyers, it's or, or customers, you know, the more chance you have of starting to build up that momentum and 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 selling and be, being able to increase the prices a bit because it is, you know, specially for them. And again, I'm using air quotes for this. Yeah, exactly. I I think that's that's the point to make here that um, mm. by having a niche market, I think you're going to improve the sales and thus improving the mm. revenue. But there's another thing ways you can actually do, and that's number three, and okay. that's improving the packaging. Most mm. often, and I've, I'm sure you've seen that most often, cheap 
and uh, low cost and inexpensive products have very low cost packaging. We're talking like maybe they just put it in a plastic bag or very cheap carton box. So if you take a look at these products and you realize that, wow, the product itself is actually not bad. Uh, and if it was in a better packaging, I could probably sell it for, instead of $1, sell it to five times more or 10 times more, maybe $10. So if you could be kind of thinking about and envisioning what kind of packaging would make this product stand out, that would make that product eye-catching, uh, look more high quality in, in terms of the packaging, in terms of graphics that you put on the packaging. For example, you could add bright colors, stylish designs on the package. Mm. Uh, you know, all you can do, the artwork can be more attractive. Mm. All of these would make the product look and feel more valuable and more expensive. I think the um, the actual material for the packaging as well is important. Oh, yes. You know, like you get, you buy a lot of stuff from, let's say Amazon, for example. And let's say, I don't know, you, you've bought a lamp for your living room, right? And it just comes in an unmarked brown carton with, you know, maybe a label on the side that's been stuck there, a shipping label. Uh, and you get the lamp out. The lamp's fine, but you're not exactly feeling, wow, this is a really premium product when you've yeah. got, you know, this brown box with sort of um, slightly dented corners after it's been thrown around in the warehouse a million times right. and whatever. And then let's say, and if you've ever bought an iPhone, for example, in, in recent years, right, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners have, right. you get this beautiful, silky, hard, you know, um, carton with amazing printing on it and it, and it comes apart and it's, and it feels premium, you know, and, and that all comes into it because you're not going to spend, oh, I don't know how much are they now, you know, $1,500 on a new iPhone. And then it comes in an unmarked, you know, <laughs> ratty old, uh, you know, carton, and and people would be they'd be on the phone to Apple. They'd be like, "What are you doing? This is this is outrageous." So exactly. it's just the it's just the um, yeah, the look and the feel of even the packaging, and especially when it's retail packaging, right? Um, absolutely, right. that 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 speaks to a higher value product, and it can be reflected in prices for sure. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think that um, there is this perceived value in packaging, you know, and I'm opening an iPhone box, as you mentioned, there is a feeling of excitement that, wow, it's, <laughs> you know, cardboard. It's like so nice and, you know, how everything has its own place and nicely mm -hmm. laid out. Yeah, this, this, that definitely adds value and, and that perceived value, even if, Apple charges more and, and the, the cost of the cardboard, the cost of the box and packaging has, has already been included in the price of the product. But the person who purchases that doesn't see it that way. They don't no. even understand that, you know, they are, they paid for that packaging, but they just feel good about it. They, you know, feel mm. good about uh, getting a, getting a gift, for example, in that package. I think mm. that even if the product was worth more, uh, but the packaging was, like you said, you know, more like looking more like a, a bulk product and you gave that 
product as a gift, like a birthday present to someone. <laughs> I don't think they would appreciate that as opposed to, for example, an iPhone box or, uh, you know, a packaging such as iPhone, which would definitely please any person. You would get that birthday, birthday present. Mm. That's it. How far we've come from several decades ago, eh, Andrew? <laughs> Absolutely. Times have changed. I haven't gotten right, a birthday present for a long time. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, uh, listeners, if you're listening in, uh, you know, feel free to send a card. <laughs> Make Andrew feel better. Definitely appreciate any one of our uh, listeners' comments or replies or, any, you know, if we're doing right and if they enjoyed any of our uh, blog post we definitely would love to hear from them oh 100 percent, 100 yeah we always love a, a a comment a question or a review and people do email in and uh, ask us questions and say hey when are you going to talk about uh, you know this topic on the podcast so if you're thinking of one yeah let us know that'd be great so we've been through uh, numbers one to three of your you've got five ideas here so number four upsell and cross sell yeah, have you ever been to McDonald's lately and you order a burger and all of a sudden the clerk would ask you, would you like some fries with that? Uh. That is basically upsell. And this mm. is uh, actually some people tell me that this was invented by McDonald's. But what, whoever invented it, it's an amazing marketing idea because half the time, if that clerk doesn't ask me, would you like some fries with that? I probably won't order fries. But as mm. soon as she says that, I feel like, mm, yeah, okay, fine. You know, and that, okay, fine, just adds amazing amount of revenue for an uh, annual basis to, to yeah. McDonald's. And I think this is one of those things that, uh, you know, basically it's a marketing strategy that pretty much you have to keep that in mind. Mm. Depending on what your product is and whether or not you can upsell, but let's say you're selling some sort of a mobile phone. You can offer uh, several different kinds of, for example, headsets. You can have mm -hmm. uh, AirPods, right? Or you can say, hey, you know, these are the cheaper but still high quality uh, wired versions with microphone, without microphone. So, I mean, that's just a simplest form of upsell. But... Uh, um, another upsell is basically turning it into some kind of a combo deal. Well, if you buy this with uh, these other items, uh, you know, you get a couple of them free uh, and or you get a certain discount. And, and that would definitely entice uh, your customers to to buy more and spend more and actually buy that product. Mm. Yeah, if you again, if you go online, you know, whenever you're looking, whatever shopping platform it is, if you're trying to buy a product, they're very likely to suggest, you know, other buyers, uh, other customers also buy these items at the same time. So, yeah, yes. that's a that's a classic. And I mean, how many of the millions of lower cost products that 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 you might buy in China, for example, uh, go together with other products. I think one of the great examples would be like a coffee maker. Here it is, you're mm. in Amazon or anywhere, you, you buy coffee maker. All of a sudden, they come back and say, how about some coffee 
to make yep. the coffee maker and some coffee filters and coffee cups and, and so on. And honestly, yep. a lot of times, a lot of customers, just so that they don't have to go and buy coffee from somewhere else, they'll say, yeah, why not? Click, click, click. And you just sold a whole bunch of products. Mm-hmm. And another one, I think, that's becoming very popular or more popular these days is doing some sort of service on a subscription as well. Uh, because we know that a subscription service, let's say it's a software, for example, right. right? That is an ongoing source of revenue for a business because once somebody's signed up, they're going to be paying monthly or, or however often the, the subscription is for whatever it is. So, uh, you know, I'm thinking things like, um, you know, exercise products, for example. So you buy the hardware, you know, maybe it's like a running machine or something, but you upsell or, or cross sell the, um, subscription to, you know, maybe, um, like a running plan or video or something at the same time. And this also adds value to the whole thing because it's like, okay, I've got my running machine and that's fine. I can just do what I've got to do on there. But if you're adding, you know, like actual running coaches, coaching you how to do stuff or some sort of exercise program with it, that's adding value, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, upsell is not so unique unique anymore, but, it's amazing how many new entrepreneurs would totally forget about that. I think bundling, mm-hmm. packaging, upselling, and thinking about mm-hmm. what other things, other products your customer could could need, could use with this product that they just bought is an essential thing uh, for increasing your revenue. Yeah. And okay. I mean, I'm mentioning things like running machines. Maybe that's not a low cost product, but, but nonetheless, there are definitely ways with, with even, you know, products that aren't going to cost as much. So on to number five, then that's the last one. Yeah. So the last, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of ways to, you know, improve and, and uh, sell your product, but I think these five, mm. five items are really, uh, simple to remember. And one that I think is one of the most important is invest some money, some in, some in marketing. Marketing of the product is extremely essential these days. For example, make sure you have a good video that shows how your product can be used, how your product adds value, how your product is solving problems, how your product is important to have. For everyone, so these are the kind of things that you could do. You know, either add a value, uh, add a uh, video, or add some kind of advertising in some of the social media, email marketing. You could do a whole bunch of things mm-hmm. to mo- whole bunch of ways market your product that could actually add value. Yeah, 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 and and you know, creating buzz getting influencers to, you know, review it and talk about how amazing it is. That's a very popular one these days, right? And and it costs money, but is does that money translate into, you know, higher profits for your business? And in many cases, hopefully, uh, if the product is, you know, somewhat desirable, it's going to be a yes. Absolutely. I totally agree. And I think that what our, let's say, younger entrepreneurs could do, a lot of dropshippings may do this, is test market. You know, let's mm-hmm. say you put a small amount of money on advertising in uh, Facebook ads or 
Google Ads. And then uh, you're just trying to see what happens for maybe a week or two. And is there any kind of interest in this product? Or let's say five products, which one there is more interest? And all of a sudden you're going to see that one of the products is going to outperform in terms of sales compared to others. So let's say one of the five is just selling at least one a day, even though it's just Mm -hmm. one a day, but at least it's selling. That means there is interest. Uh, Next thing you know, uh, you could go and instead of, you know, $5 a day, now you increase the sales and scale up your, your ad revenue, uh, maybe to $10 a day or $15 a day, depending on the price of the product you're selling. And, and then next thing you know, uh, you're actually getting huge amount of traffic to this product and you're selling a great deal very quickly. And this is how you're going to know that if you have a jackpot product, uh, whether or not you're going to scale it up, way up or not. So, you know, if you have a product that is worth, let's say, $20, you're selling for $20 and you're making, say, for example, $15 on that product and your sales ads or ad revenue is another $5. Well, you're making almost 50% for sure or maybe at least 100%. So maybe it's worth it. So it all depends on the cost and benefit analysis. And and if your profit margin is pretty good, even after you take into account your sales ads, cost of the ads, and uh, shipping in case you have to ship, then, you know, maybe it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's some, that's a lot of food for thought. And so... If you're listening and you've ever been looking at, you know, buying an existing product from, let's say, suppliers in China, right? And you're wondering, okay, how do I sell this? But how do I increase those profits? That's five really interesting ways to do so. And as you've mentioned, if if anybody has any questions about doing this sort of thing, they can totally get in touch. Absolutely. And I recommend you guys to get in touch with us. There are lots of ways we can definitely help you. Great. That's some really great advice today, Andrew. Thanks for sharing it with everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophie's Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.